and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. On the show, as you know, we are focused primarily on trying to figure out how to have the best relationships possible. But things don't always work out. And uh, we've on the show, we had Catherine Woodward Thomas visit us to talk about conscious uncoupling back in episode 21. And I've been wanting to have more people on the show who can talk a little bit about what to do when things go south or I guess north if you live, um, you know, on the other side of the planet and specifically how to know if you should try to get your partner back and if you do want to get them back what do you do and so that you can actually preserve as much of your integrity as possible while still having a chance at actually reconnecting with that person And if you've listened to a lot of the episodes of the podcast, you probably know, and particularly that one I mentioned with Catherine Woodward Thomas, um, you probably know that my partner Chloe and I actually did break up several times and uh, and I went through the conscious uncoupling process and that was really key for me in my own journey and in our journey as partners in coming back together. So honestly, I don't always think that um, that breaking up is the death knell for your relationship. And that's something that we're going to talk about more today. Today's guest is Chris Sider and he is the creator of the website exboyfriendrecovery.com and exgirlfriendrecovery.com. And he's kind of unique because Chris is more or less a normal guy who has a ton of data. He, and I I may let him tell you this story, but he helped a friend through a, a breakup who wanted to get her ex back and thought he was maybe onto something about how to how to even think about that happening to you and what to do and so he put a, a site together to talk about the process and ended up writing an ebook and at this point he's had probably close to 20 million people visit his sites um to find out more about his view on how to recover your relationship when things go wrong and uh, Chris actually reached out to me a month or so ago to be on his podcast and to talk about how to turn breaking up into a golden opportunity. And it was a great conversation and such a great conversation that I thought it would be great to have Chris on this show to talk about his perspective, both on what to do when you break up and how to figure out if you want your ex back, how to try to get your ex back, if that is indeed what you want. And then in reading through his book and his website, what I discovered is that a lot of what he offers are great tips for what to do even if you're in a relationship. So if your relationship, particularly if it's getting to be kind of boring or stale, what he offers are some great ways to really help revitalize your relationship. And that's, I think, key to um, reconnecting with an ex-partner is finding a way to do that reconnection and then actually creating the promise of something better than what you had before. If you're interested in downloading the detailed show guide for this episode, you can find it at neilsatin.com slash 
X Recovery, and that's E X and then the word recovery. Or you can simply text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions, and I will send you a link to the uh, show guide. You can also, if you haven't yet, download my free guide, which is called The Single Most Important Thing That Can Make or Break Your Relationship which uh, is a great diagnostic, whether you're in a relationship or if you have just broken up and are wondering what went wrong, uh, you can get that by going to my site and just clicking uh, send me the action plan on the homepage, neilsatin.com, or you can text the word relationship to the number 33444. So there are a couple options there for you to get more information after today's show. So I'm really excited for today's show. I hope you are too. Chris Sider, thank you so much for being here with us today on Relationship Alive. <laughs> you know, I have to say that may be the nicest introduction anyone has ever given me in maybe my life. So thank you for that, Neil. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, just let me know if you need me to, you know, introduce you at other events. I'm I'm available. Sure, sure. It's always a good ego boost, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I had another guest who was like thinking about, wow, like I can I ma- I can I'm trying to imagine like walking into a room and have someone saying, and now entering the room is so and so. It's like those old movies you know the you've got like the person whose one job is just to walk into the room and introduce the person who's going to walk into the room next so exactly <laughs> well here you are and i appreciate your being able to uh, take the time to be with us today and to talk about this really interesting topic of what happens when you break up and and um yeah maybe you could just Give us the quick version of how you got started down this path of helping people try to uh, reconnect with former flames. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting story because when I was in college... I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I was it. I even remember like my dad like setting me aside and saying, "Hey, you need to like figure something out because I was probably like I think I was about to be a senior in college. Did I had majored in humanities? I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I was always kind of interested with the websites, but at the same time I was always interested in psychology, so trying to merge the two was an interesting challenge, I guess you can say. But I had this friend, uh, she was her name was Ashley. And I remember just she was like head over heels in love with this guy. Um, I'm not gonna say his name just for privacy purposes, but she was head over heels in love with this guy, and I remember she ended up like quitting school, she moved across the state. I lived in Texas at the time. She moved across the state of Texas to be with him and things seemed to be going pretty great. And then just one day out of the blue, he walks up and breaks up with her. No explanation at all. And if that wasn't bad enough, like literally the next day she finds out she's pregnant from him. So she's in this like frantic. She's going on Google trying to figure out how she can get him back. Uh, She's looking around, can't find really anything good to do and then she's like calling all of her friends trying to find their advice and then finally she called me and I was one of her best guy friends at the time and she said just help me help me get him back and I remember I was a little reluctant at first because I kind of didn't want to help her get him back but nevertheless for the next few months or so I started doing all of this research and 
one of the really shocking things I found is that when you went to Google, um, I remember like I typed in the keyword, how to get your ex back. And you'd think like all of these really great resources, all of these great like psychological papers would pop up with all of these statistics on like how, what the percentage chance was like of getting your ex back and everything. But literally, and I'm, I'm not even lying, Neil, what popped up was a soccer website. <laughs> Seriously, a soccer website. And so I remember thinking, uh, I don't even know what to do. So I started like buying all these psychological books, trying to understand like why people do the things they do. I bought a few of the people, the relationship gurus out there who claim they can get your ex back about their products, trying to figure it out because I was always kind of interested in how things worked and it always kind of bugged me like why would he do it out of the blue? And I, I kind of wanted a, a few answers that I could potentially give her. And eventually just using the research materials and basically my own knowledge of what I would do in a situation or how I would think in a situation, I said, here, here's what you need to do. And I kind of detailed it out for her. And even though it took her quite a while, in eight months, she ended up getting her ex back. And they had the baby, they're happy and all that. You know, they had the happy ending. But at the same time, I was sitting back and thinking, you know, she can't be the only woman in the world having this kind of an issue. And so I went back online, I started looking at the Google results that came up and I realized there's just nothing out there that really answered the questions that women wanted answered about their exes online. So I decided I was just going to start creating a resource that did that basically using the knowledge that I'd picked up. And it, I remember the day, I think it was like in 2013, the day that I started getting like actual visitors to the website. And I, I remember just panicking and freaking out. Like I was so happy. I started creating more and more content. Pretty sure before I knew it, we had all of these visitors coming to the website. And I mean, what a great resource. I kind of even stepped away from kind of listening to what the top psychologists were saying and trying out my own theories and stuff. And we had just like the, the greatest data in the world. We had so many people coming. So I just write these articles saying, here's what I think you should do. And I'd get people who would go out and do it and then would report back with the results. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. And, you know, four or five years later now, we have a pretty good idea of what works to get an X back and what doesn't work to get an X back. But at the same time, we also, it's, it's really interesting when I picked the domain name ex-boyfriend recovery, I didn't really think of like how there was two meanings to recovery. Like you can look at recovery like, oh, I'm going to try to get my ex-boyfriend back. Or you can look at recovery like, oh, I'm going to try to get over him. So lately we've even been focusing on helping women get over their exes, but we don't have like the, the best data in the world on, on that yet, but we're, you know, we're getting there. So that's kind of the, the quick story. And obviously, um, once we realized ex-boyfriend recovery was a hit, we made ex-girlfriend recovery for the men. So we have kind of two websites out there, one specifically for women, one specifically for men. Obviously, the women is, is a bigger hit because I think there's a little bit more women out there searching online. But that's kind of the origin story for Chris Sider. Yeah, great. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I think that... 
you know, one thing that is so cool is that with so many visitors to your site and so many people trying out what you've offered them, um, you do have that really rich amount of data on which to base what you how you advise people and you know one of the biggest complaints about relationship gurus is that many of them are just kind of saying what they think and they don't necessarily have data to back it up now sometimes what they think is actually i mean it sounds good but um history has shown that sometimes the things that sound good actually produce the opposite effect (laughs) that's true what you've intended so um so i'm you know i'm excited to have you here to talk about you know what really works versus just what you might think would work um And it's interesting, too, that you have ex-boyfriend recovery, ex-girlfriend recovery. I mean, as I was reading through the material, I felt like, you know, this really, most of this does apply, you know, whether you're a man or a woman or in whatever kind of relationship you're in. um, It seemed like this is really about how the how the dynamics evolve between two people and and in particular how do you um, how do you look at what creates attraction in people? And in particular, how do you create attraction when there's been a rupture? So you've actually broken up with someone. It's a lot different than when you just meet someone new and there's all of that, the newness that creates yeah, chemistry. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's an interesting question. And I think the thing that you have to keep in mind here is this person has already demonstrated that they are attracted to you at some point. You know, they, they dated you at some point. So they've already kind of proven that there was something about you that they liked. Um, of course, things went wrong. And then maybe the pros and the cons kind of the cons started outweighing the pros and they broke up with you. Um, so to your question, like, well, how do you rebuild that attraction with someone? Well, it, it's an interesting thing because – what I've seen, so like like you mentioned, we have like this amazing wealth of data. Um, and we have people who communicate with me. And one of the questions that I get every single day is, hey, I begged for him back. So we ha- we're at a state where women and men are in this emotional state where they want their exes back. And it just makes sense to because maybe that's how it worked in your relationship. You, you obviously communicate how you're feeling about each other and it's, 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 it's very loving and safe. And yet when you break up and you do the same thing, you beg for someone back or you tell them how interested you are in them. It it almost has this weird opposite effect where they're turned off by you. At least that is what we have found in our studies. And so people have a tendency to rush and try to fix things as quickly as possible. And that's actually one of the worst things you can do. I'm always telling people, don't go from zero to 60 right off the bat. I mean, you wouldn't ask someone you just met to marry you. That's just not the way attraction is built. And you really have to earn the right to build attraction again. So a lot of the work that I try to recommend to people is to work on themselves before they start trying to work on getting their ex back. Because a lot of the time women and men, they're just so obsessive about their ex that they really forget to take care of themselves. And they almost don't realize that a lot of 
w- one of the best things that you can do to reattract an ex is to really facilitate your own personal growth. So I think starting there, that that is what I would recommend for someone. And we have actually seen one of the most shocking things we see in a, I actually, we had like a bunch of testimonials. I took every single testimonial that we ha- had ever gotten and I tried to find correlations between what the people who were getting their exes back were doing and what the people who weren't getting their exes back weren't doing. And one of the most shocking things that I learned was actually the people who moved on, the people who had hit a point after the breakup where they said, you know what, I don't care about him or her anymore. I'm just going to move on they appeared more attracted to their ex, uh, excuse me, attractive to their ex and their ex actually wanted them back more. So I'd say really, it, it's, it's really weird and counterintuitive, but one of the best things that you could do to get your ex back is to move on from your ex, except here's where we get the fly in the ointment. When I try to explain this concept to people who are coming to my websites, they are so obsessive about their ex that they it, it just almost goes it almost goes in one ear and out the other. It's not what they want to hear because they're coming there to get their ex back. So when I say, well, maybe you should try not to get them back to start with, because actually that has been proven to work in most cases with our data, they kind of nod their heads and say, okay, okay. And then they do the exact opposite thing. They just try really hard to get them back. So I've half of the strategy is me trying to, in a a careful way, teach people to get their exes back without letting them on, on the fact that actually this is also a process where you can kind of heal yourself from the breakup. So that was a really long winded answer. I'm not even sure if I answered your question, but I think that's the best thing that I got off the top of my head. Yeah. Well, we started out by talking about what creates attraction and, and ended up at this place where we're talking about how one of the best things you can do in a breakup is to work on yourself. And Mm. that's one of the things that I love most about, um, Catherine Woodward Thomas's work, and I, I keep bringing her up because I got certified as a conscious uncoupling. Yeah, coach. I remember you said that on the on the uh, episode that we had you on our show. So yeah. yeah, I was I was blown away by that actually. Yeah, and um, and I like it because it is really focused on what you on the inner work that you do after a breakup to. Um, to pick up the pieces, to figure out really uh, where you're responsible so that you don't repeat old patterns, um, and to really start making that shift towards your own positive development so that when you come out on the other end, you see it as this blessing, um, or as we talked about when we spoke before, this golden opportunity. Right. Um, So... I like, I really like how you highlight that in your book and in your, um, on your sites, the, the need to like, look at your life and think about like, okay, where, how do I need to grow? Like, do I, does my health need to be improved? Do I need to improve my, um, you know, am I doing okay financially? Um, am I like, how am I growing my mind? How am I growing my skills, my heart? Um, so all of those things are, are so crucial to, um, well, for one thing, just shifting the focus back onto the things that you actually can control, which is your own life and how you feel about yourself and like undoing some of that kind of damage that, 
that happens in a breakup, you know, where you can just start to really question your own worth. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting you brought that up because I could definitely tell you read my book because one of the big things that I talk about there is this idea of the holy trinity. Now, when I when I explain this to people that I am trying to teach or help, they're thinking they look at me, they give me this weird bewildered look and they think it's something biblical, but it's not anything like that at all. The holy trinity is kind of the best way I could describe it is if you could take your life right now and divide it up into the three most important aspects, you could probably divide it up into three different categories, your health, your wealth, and your relationships. And I talk about there's this really interesting synergistic effect between the three. So usually what happens positively to one aspect or one category of your life can also positively impact the other categories of your life. So one of the biggest issues we have with, um, people who are going through a breakup is their entire cat, three categories, so to speak, are out of balance. So let's just take the health, wealth, and relationships example here. You're going through a breakup, right? Obviously, the relationships aspect of your life has taken a negative hit. And at the same time, what's happened is maybe your health has taken a hit because you physically feel weaker. Maybe you're not staying to the diet that you were on or eating healthy or maybe you stopped working out. So you're as a result, your your mental uh, health takes a hit and then maybe you kind of go into work. I'm sure. I think the listeners of of your show are probably a little bit more uh, um, mature than some of the listeners listeners to my show. So they're probably in their careers. Maybe they go to work and and they just kind of don't care anymore. Don't do the best job that they could do. And like I said, um, some of the listeners that we have are still in school. So you can see oftentimes where they're going to college classes or going to even high school in some cases and not really even caring about school. And so. After the breakup, you step back and you look at your life and it's completely out of balance. So one of the things that I've found really helps people kind of get some confidence back, some some self-worth back and really facilitate personal growth and kind of explore areas of their life that they've never explored before is to actually look at the three aspects of your life. Look at how you can improve the health aspect of your life. Look at how you can improve the wealth aspect of your life. Look at how you can improve the relationships aspect in your life. And a lot of pe- times people can get overwhelmed by this idea that they have to improve all three aspects. But I found that really the easiest way to approach it is to just to take one aspect and try to improve it. Because there's this interesting synergistic effect where maybe if you improve the health aspect of your life, for example, you start eating better, maybe you start getting in shape, maybe you're self-conscious about your acne or something like that, maybe you start getting that taken care of. Maybe um, you've maybe not. This is a strange example, but maybe you've not had the best hygiene, so you start brushing your teeth more. Well, this is going to give you some self confidence, and you're going to start feeling good about yourself. And this is going to bleed over into the other aspects of your life. Your friends are going to start to take notice. Maybe you'll start attracting new people. Maybe you're going to start to go to work. Maybe your boss takes notice. Maybe you're more confident, so you want to do better at work. And all of a sudden. Before you know it, you step back and your life is almost at a better place than it was even when you were dating your ex. And a lot of times I see people have issues with codependency on the relationship, meaning they're 
entire existence is based on this relationship that they lost. And so it's heartbreaking to them when they lose it. So it, and oftentimes when they fear losing something, they fear taking action on something. And so kind of, uh, looking at your own life and taking action on the aspects of your life that you can improve and become the best version of yourself is really a great way to start trying to get your ex back. And I don't even recommend sending your ex a text or doing anything relating towards getting your ex back really until you kind of have your stuff taken uh, stuff all set with your own life where you feel like you're in a really good place. And oftentimes I've found that women and men who do this, who successfully do this. And a lot of, I'm not going to lie to you. A lot of people who I recommend this to actually don't do it because it's not necessarily the easiest thing to have this kind of self-reflection where you're looking at your life and saying, Oh, what aspects can I improve? What, how could I become the best version of myself? A lot of people are lazy and don't want to do that, but the people who do do it, they end up coming to the conclusion sometimes that they don't even want their ex back. And if they <laughs> do want their ex back, they're at a much better place and have a much better chance of success. So, yeah, yeah, they probably, well, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. I just want to point out that this idea of looking at your own life and figuring out where it could stand to be improved. And I like how you said at the end of a relationship, Undoubtedly, there are going to be uh, um, aspects in all three of the areas that you mentioned that have taken huge hits, particularly mm-hmm. relationship. But many people, um, you know, when they're in that state of fear about losing a relationship, that's when lots of um, proactive energy in their lives starts to disappear. And they're just mm-hmm. reacting from that fear place of trying to trying to hang on. So even if you're in a relationship, one of the best things that you can do is to devote some of your time and energy to your own self-improvement and self-development and being the best version of you that you can be. And, you know, on the show, we talk about all kinds of strategies for helping couples support each other through that, because I think that's one of the biggest gifts in a like a modern day conscious relationship is really escaping the old paradigm that's about kind of controlling your partner so that you're, you stay safe in your little box of a relationship and actually wanting your partner to flourish in their lives and to shine more brightly and to hopefully be shining there right along with them. Um, so hopefully if you're listening and you're like, how does this stuff apply to me? I'm in a relationship. Well, here's one way that it applies to you. Um, now, the what you were just talking about how you advocate for people to take that kind of responsibility for themselves when a relationship ends and to not even try to do anything to you know initiate contact with their ex to try to get their their ex back um and what that creates um i really love this strategy and it's so simple, but I can see how it could be so hard for people to follow through. Um, you call it the no contact rule. And yes. uh, yeah, so what is the point behind no contact? Um, and yeah. yeah, why is it so important? Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up. So the no contact rule is without a doubt 
been our most successful strategy. So when you look at the numbers, um, I think I don't have the exact percentage in front of me, but definitely it's over 70%. So 70% of the successes that we have had with getting their exes back have utilized the no contact rule. And that's staggering. I mean, 70% of people who get their exes back that, that come to our website have used the no contact rule. So that tells you how important it is to get this right. And the no contact rule is pretty much like what it sounds. You're going to go on a period of no contact, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. And I'll get psychological here for a moment. So if you look at the no contact rule, essentially what it is, is it's a period of time where you ignore your ex. And the idea of this is you're going to make them miss you by ignoring them. And at the same time, it's going to allow you time to flourish in your life and have personal growth, which is where the, you know, the health, wealth and relationships aspect comes into play. Now, Let's take the missing you aspect here. So the no contact rule, period of time where you're making your ex, uh, excuse me, where you're ignoring your ex to make them miss you. Well, this is utilizing something called psychological reactants. And psychological reactants basically states that human beings have a certain amount of freedoms, right? I have the freedom to sit here and talk to you, Neil. But let's say someone were to come in and take that freedom away. Well, that's going to increase the chance of me actually reacting in a way to try to reobtain that freedom. So by essentially cutting your ex out of your life, not talking to them, even if they text you, I know it sounds harsh, you're actually raising the chances of them trying to talk to you again. You're, you're kind of changing the dynamic to where they're going to try to chase you. So most of the people who recommend the no contact rule utilize it for that reason. They're using it to try to make the, their exes miss, miss them. Now, as you and I are talking here, I've actually found more success with the second, I guess, ability of the no contact rule. It allows you time to not focus on the breakup, but focus on yourself, right? So that's where the things like, um, the Holy Trinity come into play where you can really, really do a lot of self-reflection, look at your life and figure out, okay, what are the aspects of my life that I can improve? And really I've found that the women who do this, excuse me, the women or men who do this have a really, really great chance of getting their exes back because they're in a different place. Now I will say that the no contact rule, according to our statistics above 60% of the people who try the no contact rule end up failing it. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means is that if let, let's pretend that I'm going through a breakup and I'm using the no contact rule on my ex where I'm ignoring her. Well, if she reaches out to me and I'm starting to think, oh, my God, she's reaching out to me. I'm so excited. And I respond to her. I will have broken the no contact rule. And we find that a lot of people who struggle with this are very obsessive of their exes. And we know why, because when you go through a breakup, I, I think even when we talked on the phone before you had pointed out to me, um, that, you know, you actually can feel physical pain when you go through a breakup, right, Neil? Exactly. Yeah. It, it affects the places where you feel emotional pain, um, when you're going through a breakup or the exact same centers of your brain where you process physical pain. Yeah. So it's, it, it, and, it's crazy. I have a, um, uh, my head of content development, uh, her name is actually Ashley. It's not the same Ashley that was pregnant and got her ex back at the beginning of the show that I was talking about, but she wrote this really amazing article about kind of the anatomy of a breakup and what happens. And it's just amazing how many 
terrible things happen to your body when you're heartbroken. I mean, I know from my own personal experience of going through breakups, like you don't want to eat, you don't feel like anything, you care about anything, all you're thinking about is that person specifically. And it's really, really easy to become obsessive. You want to hear from the person. And when you don't hear from them, it's really easy to respond to them when you finally do hear from them. And we even created like a Facebook group support group for women and men who are going through breakups. And it's just amazing. You can really get like one-on-one with these women and men to try to figure out like, why are you not holding true to the no contact rule? Why aren't you focusing on what you should be focusing on, which is yourself? And Usually it's just because they're so obsessed with the breakup. They're so obsessed with hearing from their ex that the first time that they do hear from them, they just take the opportunity to break it. So, so a couple of questions for you. Yeah, sure. Um, so the first one is, um, if I'm listening to this, I'm wondering, all right, well, how, how long is, should I wait then before I actually would respond to an ex if yes. they... If they texted me. Yeah. 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 So it's an interesting thing. When I first started ex-boyfriend recovery, all of the experts I ever read said a 30 day no contact rule. So basically you're going to ignore your ex for a month before you can basically have permission to talk to them. But as I've learned more, as I've interacted with more people and learned what works and what doesn't work, I found it's really short-sighted to just sit here and say, it has to be this one way. I can't sit here and say, you have to ignore your ex for a month. Well, what if you have kids with your ex? What if you live with your ex? What if you work with your ex? It's not like you can sit there and ignore them for a month, right? What if your ex is begging for you back and you want them back, but you can't break the no contact rule? So there are flaws with this type of thinking. So as time has gone on, I've I've actually evolved my thinking on how long you should stay in a no contact rule. So I kind of have three time frames that I, I say to people, pick one. So we have the 21-day rule, the 30-day rule, and the 45-day rule. And I know some people recommend super long no-contact rules like 60 days or 90 days, but I'm not a fan of that because um, it's been proven that you can make or break a habit in 66 days. So technically, if you're trying to get your ex back and they're trying to get over you, they can get over you. Well, they can get – maybe not get over you, but they can get out of the habit of thinking about you in 66 days. So I never try to make my no-contact rules really long. And besides, I've found that the longer the no-contact rule, usually the more and more women fail it. So it's like, it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Um, So like I said, my, my thinking has evolved on it, even to the point where most people out there will even recommend, hey, you can never break the no contact rule. When you go in on this no contact rule, it has to be for 30 days or 21 days or 45 days, whatever it is, and you can never talk to your ex. Well, I've... Like I, like I mentioned before, that that's a short-sighted way of thinking because like what if you have kids with your ex? You have to communicate about those kids. So you have to make certain alterations to the no contact rule specifically for your situation. And that's really what it boils down to. Everyone has a unique relationship. Everyone has a unique situation. And for someone to sit here and say you have to do it this way – that's not always going to work. So Right. And if your ex reaches out and says, Hey, I totally messed up and can we right. talk about getting back together? Exactly. Which is something that <laughs> that 
and I'm not perfect. Like I don't have, um, like Neil mentioned, I'm, I'm just kind of a regular guy with just all this data. So I'm trying to, uh, fine tune the strategy myself. And one of the biggest mistakes that we made is we had a woman who this actually happened to, but it was right when I started out and I was just going on what all the other experts out there had recommended 30 days, no contact, no matter what you can't break it. And this girl's ex reached out and wanted her back. Well, she should have broken it, but she didn't. So I've evolved my way of thinking. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about – it's probably the the aspect of my websites that I love the most. As I learn more, the advice gets better and better and better. And as a result, people get happier and happier. So it, it, it's an interesting – thing that I think a lot of other experts out there that I've looked at don't necessarily do. They get maybe stuck on their one type of way of thinking, but I think you have to be open to all types of ways of thinking. And that's why I was really glad to have you on the show, Neil, because I learned so much from you with some of the things that you were talking about, like, uh, like what you were just saying, how you can physically feel pain. I know it sounds, um, it, it sounds like, yeah, of course you would feel pain. I've been through breakups. I've felt like physical pain, but it, it's just different when you're trying to look analytical. So yeah, I'm, I'm just really glad to have met you, Neil. And it's, it's, it's been awesome to have you on the show and I'm, I'm super glad to be here for you helping you out too. Yeah, absolutely. And what's, what's interesting about that, I think is how much it makes a difference when you know that that's normal, when you know that the reactions you're having are actually normal, then it gives you a different level of awareness and like, and a different level of ability to actually handle it. So if you're going through a breakup and you're feeling intense pain, well, that just comes with the territory. So it doesn't mean that, um, like just because you're going through withdrawal, that doesn't mean you should have another cigarette. Like you got to get through the withdrawal period. And I also like that about the no contact rule is that it, it gives you a chance to, to come down off of all of the, um, crazy stress induced chemicals that are going through your body when you go through a breakup and experience that rupture of attachment, um, to let those things leave your system at least to a certain extent, so that you can be coming from a much more rational, creative, playful place. Um, and, and I suspect that that's why, um, as you mentioned, many people like they get to that place and then they're like, what was I thinking? Like, I don't want that yeah. person back, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have the exact number of like the percentage of how many people actually think that, but the people who actually do, I found a lot of them end up do coming to that conclusion. But if, if you look at it like a timeline, if I were to go back before they did the no contact rule and said, here's what you need to do. You need to work on yourself. You'll come to this conclusion. They won't do it because they're so set on getting their exes back. So really it's sort of trying to kill two birds with one stone because sometimes I'll see a relationship where I will literally flat out tell the person, hey, you shouldn't try to get them back, especially when you're dealing with an abusive relationship, right? Right. But they don't necessarily put it into action. So I think there is some 
I, I mean, obviously, if there's physical abuse, I always, always, always never tell them to get that person back. But there is some validity to the fact that, hey, sometimes you have to let people go through their process. But if you can give them a framework to maybe come to the conclusion that you want them to come to, it's going to work out better maybe than trying to force them to do something. You know, that, at least that's what I've found. Yeah. And this is a, we can't go into this whole thing right now. But um, for my listeners, if you're familiar at all with um, the six human needs. This is something that I talk about in the freebie on my website. Um, you know, if you just go to neilsatin.com and download, send me the action plan, you'll get a lot of information about the six human needs. But basically, it's a, it's a system that Tony Robbins and Chloe Madonis created as a way of basically looking at everything you do and that everything you do is filtered through these needs. And once you um, once you know that, you can basically look at anything and say, okay, how does this thing that I'm doing or this person that I'm dating, um, how do they stack up against these needs? And what um, Tony Robbins says is that anyone, um, any activity that meets three or more of those needs at a high level, you can become addicted to. And sometimes it can be a positive addiction. Sometimes it can be a negative addiction. Um, so that's I think explains in a lot of cases why you can even be sort of stuck in a bad relationship. When you look at you, when you look at it through that filter, you can see, well, this crazy relationship actually satisfies, um, let's say, my need for variety at a really high level because it's so unpredictable. Well, that's unsustainable for most relationships and most people wouldn't want that. But unless you're seeing it objectively, you would never you would never know why it's so compelling to be in this relationship. So anything that gets you that distance and allows you to look at it a bit more objectively, um, that perspective, I think, can help you see whether it's truly the right decision for you to, to be back or to try to be back in that relationship or whether you're actually better served by moving on, growing and and learning, taking the lessons you've learned and hopefully having a much better partnership the next time around. I really love that. I think I'm actually going to go to your website and download that seriously. Yeah. I think that's, I, I think that's actually going to be perfect for my um, visitors because it, it almost serves as a perfect way to weed out like whether or not you should try to get this person back because a lot of my listeners struggle with that. Like, how do I know if I should get this person back? And a lot of times, the no, I recommend the no contact rule because sometimes after the no contact rules up, if you don't want that person back, it's a perfect way of knowing, but this may be even better. So I'm stealing that, Neil. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Check it out for sure. Um, let's go into some of the other strategies that you offer. Um around building attraction because mm -hmm. this is something that I think is going to be really helpful for my listeners whether they're going through this problem that we're talking about of getting an ex back or just in a relationship that maybe needs a little boost in in yeah. this department so one thing that that cracked me up the the next step that you talk about after the no contact rule and I I hope you don't mind my just saying you talk about no contact then you talk about basically um, 
levels of creating uh, the video game thing, right? Yeah, and in creating more and more contact with your ex until eventually you're going out on dates and you're having a shot at at actually getting back together. But there right. are several levels that you have to get through. So you go from no contact to texting. Um, and then texting to actually talking on the phone and then from there to in person. Right. So, um, and one of the things that I thought was hilarious and so true was, um, you talked about texting and, um, and had people think about ways to be interesting and to actually, um, be engaging with mm-hmm. their ex to try and like, make them want to like actually connect with you. And, uh, and I, and this was something that I laughed about because it's so true in general. Like how many people just, you know, this, your, your relationship becomes routine. You're having the same conversations all the time. You're having the same meals all the time. And you're never really taking a step back to think like, is this just like boring the hell out of me and my partner? Or like, how do we get at the juice in the day to day? Um, so maybe you could talk about some of your strategies for like being interesting and how that applies in, in these circumstances that we're talking about. And I think my listeners will, will deduce like how that also applies for them. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what Neil was saying is I basically have this, this idea of slowly building attraction up and making it as natural as possible. And oftentimes it's not something that you have to follow perfectly. Like I said, everyone has a different situation and it's unique. So sometimes you just have to look at it kind of like a template to follow, but let's assume that we're just going to follow it perfectly. Well, specifically with texting, Neil makes a really great point. People have gotten maybe a little too stuck with their relationship and they're maybe not as interesting as they were at the beginning of the relationship. Maybe things have staled. Um, I can even raise my hand. I'm married and this certainly happens with us. We, you know, we have a one year old. So trying to find things to spice up the relationship always helps. Um, and that can be definitely true with textings because how many times have I or my wife texted each other just like a simple one word text? Well, there's nothing really that is going to make me want to respond to ha ha or LOL. You know, there, there's nothing interesting about that. Um, and this is, a problem that we have a lot with on ex-boyfriend recovery and ex-girlfriend recovery because a lot of people just are boring with their texts or they've never understood how to build attraction through texting. Texting is a really great tool, but it's not really where you should build, be building the most attraction. You should be building the most attraction probably on the phone or in person. You know, that is the really great place. But texting is the perfect tool to try to lead you to those places where you can really ramp up the attraction. And a lot of that boils down to being interesting on texting. So the analogy I use in my book is think of like the best TV shows that you're addicted to. Game of Thrones. Um Gosh, I can't think of any I'm a big Game of Thrones fan, but I can't think of anything outside of that. But Game of Thrones, like after every single episode is done, it ends on a cliffhanger. It ends it creates an open loop where you have to get that question answered. So you tune in the next week. And Hollywood has figured out this amazing way to retain their viewers 
from week to week by creating these open loops. I mean, they're the best in the world at it. And so I came up with this idea of, hey, what if you treated your texts like this? Like every single texting interaction that you have with your ex is just this interesting um, exchange that you have that ends on an open loop where you excuse me, either end the conversation first yourself or you open up a loop of an unanswered question that your ex is just going to have to want to respond to you maybe later in the day or maybe later the next day to get the the question answered. Almost like it's an episode of a TV show that's so interesting that will get them wanting to tune back for more. And um, I I, I found this interesting study done by a woman called I think her name was Bulma Zigarnik, and I always mispronounce this this um, psychological term. So definitely don't hold it against me if I can't pronounce it because it's like Russian, and I'm about as American as you can get. So uh, it's called the Zigarnik effect, and basically it states that people remember uncompleted or interrupted tasks better than completed ones, and this perfectly explains the idea of the open loop and the idea of a cliffhanger. So at the end of every single episode of Game of Thrones, there's a cliffhanger. Right. It's a cliffhanger where you're, you're watching your particular character maybe almost die and then it just shuts off. You know, the, the episode ends and you're just like, what? I, I want to see more. What happens next? Well, the best way to to cr- kind of create that feeling within your ex is to try to weave open loops and kind of engage your ex to the point where his interest is as high as it possibly can be and then maybe end on a cliffhanger or create an open loop, an unanswered question that he has to get answered. Um, and we've actually seen amazing success when people have successfully done this. It, it, it's a tricky thing to work out because a lot of people don't do this successfully, but the people who do do it successfully, um, end up having some pretty amazing results. Like their ex will just constantly text them over and over and over again, trying to get the question answered. And, um, it, it's an interesting way of looking at texting. And I think it can, it, it's not like the it's not technical to the point where, Hey, this is exactly what you need to text. I, I, I can certainly do that if you want me to Neil, but this is kind of the overall strategy for maybe how you should look at your texting encounters, um, with people. And it it can certainly build attraction and, and make your conversations a little bit more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm imagining that. So, um, you know, for people in relationship, um, I mean, I was trying to imagine, like, is there a time when a no contact rule actually works in relationship? And and how much do you want to um, ask questions that you that you don't answer, um, you know, or create these open loops when you're texting with your spouse, for instance? And yeah, it, um, it, it's a it's a great question. I, I would say probably the no contact rule is not a great thing to do when you're in a relationship. <laughs> um, it, it, it's really only proven to work with exes. I'm sure there are people who go about it the wrong way during relationships and maybe they get broken up with, maybe things don't work out so well. Yeah. In um, fact, you know, one of the biggest issues in relationship is not enough communication. So, exactly. so, you know, my, I think my spin on that is that, um, is the part of no contact that's about personal development that Mm -hmm. focusing your energy there, um, can be really helpful in, in a relationship. 
Um, but then this part about like being interesting and thinking about like, well, what are the things that are actually interesting to your partner? And can you text them about those things that they're actually going to care about um, right. versus yeah, I like I changed I the baby's diaper again or <laughs> or um, wow, I got five hours of sleep. Well, actually, that might be something to celebrate, uh, as you know, with young children. But um, yeah, it's 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 a big celebration when you get five hours. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you. I talked about that in my book, and I actually even wrote probably a more up to date post really recently on like kind of the anatomy of what a perfect first contact text message looks like, and really identified like a couple of things you need to do. So the number one thing that you want to do is you need to have knowledge of the person you're going to text. So let's say that Neil and I are texting each other and I know that he loves relationships. Like he loves to talk about them. He loves psychology and he hates talking about cars. Well, why would I want to talk to him about cars? Maybe something that interests me, but doesn't interest him when I know for a fact, he's not going to be responsive for it. And a lot of people make the same mistake with their exes. They talk or ask their ex a question about things that they are interested in, except their ex isn't interested in it at all. So what it really boils down to, the first thing you need to do is look at what are some of the things that your partner or your ex is interested in some sort of point where you know for a fact if you text them about it, they're going to respond. So a perfect example for someone like me is I'm a huge fan of the football team, the Dallas Cowboys. So you can pretty much text me about the Dallas Cowboys and you know I'm going to respond. Well, maybe that's a great way to construct a text message. So maybe make the theme of the text message about the Dallas Cowboys for me, because I know I'm going to be responsive to that. But it's not just enough to start talking, maybe uh, and come up with a theme. I know, for example, my wife, she loves hot air balloons. So if I could t text her about hot air balloons, she's going to be engaged immediately. But just texting about a hot air balloon isn't enough. I need to embed it in a story. People are really responsive to stories and people are almost hardwired to look for connections that make them think, hey, I did that once. So let's take this hot air balloon thing. Let's say the example that I use oftentimes when I'm telling people like how to construct a story text message without it going overboard and, and turning into like five pages on a text phone is to just say, Hey, I was driving down the street and I looked up in the air and I saw this amazing hot air balloon and it made me think of you. Like if I texted my wife that, she is going to be so responsive and I embedded it into a story. She can almost sit back and imagine me driving down the road, looking up and seeing this hot air balloon. And maybe I can make it even better by talking about the color of the hot air balloon. It was it was a rainbow hot air balloon. It was, it was just the most amazing thing I ever saw. Well, she's going to really, really visualize that a lot. And it's probably... And it's a strategic text. I'm, I'm giving you an example here because for our engagement, I actually took her on a hot air balloon. I engaged to her and one of her biggest dreams was to go on a hot air balloon. So I got us a, pri a private hot air balloon ride. So if I'm going to text her that, she's immediately going to come back to the connection that she was on a hot air balloon once and she felt great. And it in the moment, she's going to maybe for even a split second, feel some of the emotion she's gonna, she was feeling in the moment that she was in the hot air balloon. So for your listeners, if you have a significant other, 
do something like this every once in a while. It's a re- really great way to spice things up, and it's interesting, and you know that your significant other is going to respond if, for example, they love talking about the ocean or swimming in the ocean. You can you can tell some amazing stories even if it's just in 160 characters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even if it's just like, wow, you know, the weather's getting cooler like it is here up in Maine. And uh, so I'm imagining swimming in the ocean like a tropical vacation this winter. Like, doesn't that sound amazing? You know, whether we can do it or not is like a totally different story, but it sounds amazing. So it's a it's a good way to get get them engaged and get their attention. The other thing that I thought was hilarious, I just have to mention this. You talked about how um, when you and your wife were dating that um, you started with a long distance relationship and how you'd you'd be talking on the phone and having this amazing conversation (laughs) and then suddenly the phone would go dead. Yeah. 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 You know, it's funny. She's never owned up to it herself, but I I know that I know the truth. And the truth is it was, it wasn't, she she would always claim that her phone was like, to her credit, it was an old phone, but her phone wouldn't hold a charge really well. But this happened maybe 20 or 30 times. And I'm not even kidding you. That's like, that is how many times this happened. So we would be talking on the phone and we were in a long distance relationship at the time. We'd be talking on the phone. We'd be having these really amazing conversations. Um, it would be, we, we'd probably be like an hour into the conversation. We'd be talking about all sorts of interesting things. Like I remember once we got into this really interesting discussion on tsunamis and we were looking at like videos online of tsunamis and how scary it would be. And we were just, kind of getting coupley. We were saying, you know, what would you do if I was there? What would you do if you were there? You know, you know how it is. But uh, all of a sudden her phone just goes dead. And, you know, I do the natural thing that you would expect. I would, you know, call her back, but it just, you know, goes straight to the voicemail. So I'm thinking in my head, okay, well, maybe her phone just died. She's going to charge it up and she'll call me right back because we were like in the middle of this really, really interesting conversation. And I didn't get a call. So I waited by the bed with where my phone was charging pretty much the entire night, like constantly checking it, waiting for a call that never came until maybe the next day where she just texted me like nothing was wrong. Like, what the heck? And this happened maybe 20 or 30 times. But this taught me a really interesting lesson that sometimes ending the conversation where maybe it's the best it is, maybe the part where you know your partner's really engaged Um it can really serve as a really interesting attraction point because it was one of the things that drove me crazy during our relationship, uh, during a long distance relationship. But the crazy part is it kept me coming back for more, even though I didn't like it. My actions spoke other words, you know, in my head, I'm saying, ah, this is so annoying. But at the same time, I was the one constantly texting or trying to check up on or trying to get the conversation back. And I guess it kind of goes into that idea of psychological reactance where she basically took the freedom away of us talking. And all of a sudden I'm doing everything I can to try to get that freedom back. And so it's an interesting point that I've used for people who are trying to get their exes back, I say, you know, sometimes find the point of the conversation where you know it's at its best, where you know it is at its height. And that's when you should end the conversation. And people will say, well, Chris, how do I know when I've hit that point? And the kind of the line I always use is when you're in a conversation that you don't want to end, where you hit that point where you say, God, this is so great. I don't want this to end. That's typically where you have to end it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, um, sticking, I, I would love to also, um, we don't have much time left and I, I want my listeners who are really thinking about this in terms of like, maybe there is an X that they're interested in, in getting back. Um, where does it end up? How do they, how do you make the leap to finally, um, like actually getting your X back? So you've been texting, you've been talking and, and I know that you advocate, and, and this is why I think in relationship, um, having as much in-person contact communication is so key mm-hmm. because that's really where the life is and where the juice is. Um, and I know that's important for you in, your, in terms of your strategies to, um, to actually be interacting in person with yeah. your ex. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So you, the, one of the worst things you could do is try to get a relationship back over the phone or do text messages and say, hey, let's get back together. This is a conversation that you need to have in person. This is also a conversation that you also want to have during the high point where you are at the point where you know your partner is the happiest they are in person. So you're taking them on a date. You're exciting them. You're making them happy. That's the time you want to ask. Most people wait until the end of the date. Most people maybe are so anxious about it. They ask at the beginning of the date. They don't really let the date unfold itself and be exciting and to the point where your your ex is really happy with you. That's where you want to ask them. But also most people make the mistake of asking them on the first date. I don't recommend that at all. I recommend the first date that you should have, the first time you see your ex after the breakup should be like a small interaction, something at like a coffee shop. Um, There's a million examples I can give you, but I know we are short on time here, so I'll speed it up. Um, So the first interaction you need to have is a short kind of interaction, a small interaction. The next one is kind of a medium interaction where the date goes a little bit longer. And then the third one is kind of the romantic interaction where you want to be as romantic as possible and kind of hit on all the romantic parts. And if things are going well, then you can ask for your ex back or ask to re-explore that relationship. Yeah. And, but what you're saying is not that like, if you're a woman, you should be waiting around for your ex to ask you back, right? No, not, not at all. I think there is a point point uh, in the book where I say, hey, look, you have to try to ask your ex back at a certain point. But give, give if you're a woman, give him the opportunity to ask you first because it's always a little bit more powerful and you won't have to sit around wondering like, well, maybe he's just doing that, saying yes because I asked him. You'll at least have kind of the um, – I don't know the word, but you'll always be happy that he was the one who did it. Um, but I am definitely – woman's time is a lot more valuable than a man's time because a lot of times women, especially when they hit 35, they feel their biological t- uh, clock's ticking. They feel like um, they have to settle down. you know. So finding the right partner for you is important and the last thing you should do is waste your time. So uh, if you – kind of go through the method and you try to get them back and you actually ask for them back. And there's a certain point for women that I recommend for them to do that, but it is kind of in depth and complicated. But if you do do that and he says, no, it's not the end of the world. At least you can kind of hold your head high and say, you know, I did everything possible. I possibly could to get him back. It didn't work out. Maybe it's time to move on. So I'm really big into not wasting time. Yeah, and the the last thing that I just want to mention before we go that I really appreciate um, and I think holds value whether you're trying to get your ex back or you're just in a relationship and trying to make it better, 
I, I like how you break things down into these really small and doable steps. And there's yeah. an aspect of it that can feel really maybe contrived or like a little bit of a game. And, you know, that part, uh, you know, my personal thing is, well, I like people to feel like they're they're not following a script and they're just being spontaneous. Right. That being said, what I like about it is how it encourages people to see that you don't have to go from like zero to a hundred in order to get to a hundred. Like mm -hmm. there's, there are all those points in between and the, the baby steps are actually key, like not trying to do too much. Just like you said at the very beginning, when you go out on your first date, you don't ask someone to marry you. Like, right. So if you're in a relationship that's struggling, don't feel like tomorrow night you have to like, um, you know, do something spectacular in order to reignite the, the passion in your relationship. Just take a step in that direction. And, um, and likewise, you may be feeling like I got to get my ex back and, and, you know, so I'm going to go all in tomorrow, you know, or tonight. And it's, I think what you're hearing from Chris is that it's way more effective if you just take the next right step and then the next right step after that. And then you'll either get there, um, or you won't. And either way, you'll have um, really good information about whether it's the right thing for you or not. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that, too. I, I will say one thing, though. Um, having the baby steps that I kind of designed was was by design for the very reason that you just said. A lot of times people go, um, they need to start from zero to get to 100, but they they literally want to start from a hundred to get to a hundred, you know? So some, mm. sometimes you do have to kind of hold their hand along the way. And I always do tell people who, um, ask me, do I have to follow this exactly? No, you do not. It's more of a template. Every situation is unique. Um, this is just kind of the guideline for what we have found to be the most effective way to get next back. Um, if you want to deviate or you think something doesn't work for you, obviously don't do it. Um, you're a better judge of your situation than I am because you know, you have 20 million people coming lifetime to the websites. It's hard for me to get acquainted with 20 million people. You know, right. I think I've only gotten acquainted probably with a handful of people where I've really, really worked with them a lot. The rest I've just kind of popped in for advice here and there, but it, 20 million people is a lot. So I try to create something that gives you kind of the baby steps that you need to have to be successful. But at the same time, you're a much better judge of your situation than I ever could be. So just know what I'm saying has had from our experience, the best chance to work. Um, but if you think something doesn't work, then definitely, definitely do things the way you think they will work. Right. Time to improvise. Yeah. Well, Imp improvisation is an, an important thing to, to have in relationships I've found. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Chris, I really appreciate your, your time and coming on the show today. And for our listeners who are interested in finding out more information about you and your work, what can they do? Yeah. So the best way to find me is probably to come to one of my websites. So you can find my website, ex-boyfriend recovery at www.exboyfriendrecovery.com. And of course that is a website specifically geared towards women, helping women get back with their exes. It's a little bit more built out because it is the bigger website. We have a lot of resources put into it and creating high quality advice for women trying to get their exes back. But at the same time I have a resource for men and we put a lot of resources. I put a lot of my own 
own personal time into making this website a success. It's called Ex-Girlfriend Recovery. You can find that at www.exgirlfriendrecovery.com. My name is Chris Sider, and we are always very responsive. So if you ask a question, me and my team will respond to you. We can't guarantee a time. It's usually somewhere within 24 to 48 hours. We do have a lot of requests, but we're pretty responsive. So go ahead, ask us a question. We'll be there for you. Great. Well, that is a very valuable resource. And I read, you know, all close to 500 pages of your book. And I, I really appreciate that you're you're doing this work and this research to try to help people who are in a lot of pain, um, try to get through the to the other side of that in a way that um, has a lot of dignity and integrity and also stands a good chance at success. As I mentioned at the beginning, if you would like to download the show guide for today's episode, you can do that at neilsatin.com slash xrecovery, and that's E-X and then the word recovery. Or you can simply text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And I will get a link to you so you can download the show guide for this episode and all of our other episodes. And our show guide will also have links to Chris and his sites as well. So thank you so much, Chris Sider, for being on the show. (laughs) Thanks, Neil. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.